millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAG is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAG, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Roker Report Extra Podcast. We are on the back of a table-topping draw against Luton. A terrible refereeing, two red cards. Apparently that, whichever way you want to sway, seems like it was given, but no one's really sure why. Unfortunately, you can't appeal that. We're right on the back of the news that Chris Maguire's red card's been overturned. Um, And we've got a good run of fixtures coming up, uh, the more I look at it. Uh, winnable ones, most definitely, at least the next six or seven, I think, at least. And we've got Scunthorpe, who will beat 3-0 at home near the start of the season with a kind of really fast opening to the game. I think we're 3-0 up at half-time. But to see how Scunthorpe we've got on since then, and also a little bit about how we've been getting on, we've got Matt from the fantastically named Iron Brew podcast. How are you doing, Matt? Are you well? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Worry seems to have crept in at Sunderland for some reason, but another game unbeaten, I guess. But we're starting to worry a little bit. Or maybe that's just me because I'm pessimistic. How's things down at uh, Scunthorpe? Yeah, they've actually started to take a a bit of a turn for the better. Um, We obviously had a terrible start to the season. It's been really poor, actually. Um, But yeah, in the last couple of weeks, we've, we've won four on the bounce and we just seem to have turned the corner a little bit. Do you have won four on the bounce? Okay. Yeah, that we've won... Yeah, we've won four on the bounce. So um won Walsall at the weekend and prior to that I think we we, we won Wickham, uh, Peterborough, um so which was a really good away win actually. So yeah, the performances have definitely turned round and um to be honest, we have signed five players in the January window, but McCall, the manager, he's using them quite sparingly at the moment and just trying to introduce them in in you know, for like small parts of games rather than throwing them straight in. So on the whole, it's pretty much the same team that were so poor earlier in the season, which is remarkable. And I think when you came to the, the Stadium of Light, obviously the game was over pretty fast. It was one of those games where we've done it a few times this season. We just sometimes blow teams away in 10 minutes. We've never actually played well, if I'm honest with you, for a 
well, 90 minutes, but when we're in the kind of form that we're in against yourselves at the start of the season, that, that tends to happen. But um, things like you said, it weren't doing too great. I remember last time I checked, you, you just weren't doing too grand, but you've, you've pulled yourself up to, to mid-table. What's been the, the big change that's had like the catalyst for you sort of aiming towards the middle half rather than the bottom half? Well, I think last season, obviously, we, we had two good seasons. Last season and the season before, we were up and around the playoffs. And I think everyone was hoping for that again, really. But I think the business we did in the summer wasn't brilliant. I think the owner's come out and he's actually spoken to us a couple of weeks ago on our podcast and he's kind of admitted that it wasn't good enough. Um, but as I say, we've got five players in, um, sort of in the first week of the window, which he promised and uh, he's delivered on that. You know, we've got some really experienced players, Adam Hamill and uh, Byron Webster coming in who, who will help things. But as I said, we've not really played those. Well, Byron Webster came on at the weekend for his um, debut appearance, but we've not, we're kind of just easing them into it. And uh, I think because of kind of their arrivals, the rest of the players have stepped up and, you know, the, I think it's focused them a little bit more because we were making some really sloppy individual errors Um Basically every week. I mean, some of the defending this season has just been unbelievably, uh, unbelievably bad. You know, and it's one thing after the next. I think um, we lost. I think it was five nil to Fleetwood at home, and then Plymouth were down the bottom. They hammered us as well. So, I mean, when we did play yourselves at your place, it came as no surprise really that um, you turned us over quite easily. But I would say this is a different side to to the side you faced that day, and certainly a lot more confidence. Um, in the, in the squad. You mentioned about um, sort of players coming in and stuff like that, but gradually, gradually coming into the side as opposed to all being flung in at once. Um, so would you say there's been a change in regards to the players? Not so much have pressure on the back, but there's competition for places and that's always healthy, isn't it? Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, we've had a terrible injury run as well this season. So I think, to be honest, if the players that, have been out injured for the majority of the season. And some of them are ruled out for the full season. Players like Ryan Colclough, who's played at a higher level. Um, I think we would be a bit higher up in the table anyway. So I think we probably are in a bit of a false position at this moment in time. And hopefully we can push on to sort of the middle of the middle of the table and, you know, maybe push on for the playoffs, late push for the playoffs, depending on who else we get in. Um, but yeah, I think it's just competition for places and the injured players are slowly coming back to fitness um, and not all of a sudden we've got you know six or seven players that can't even make the match day squad so it's looking a lot healthier um, and fingers crossed obviously with a couple more additions and a couple of the fringe players maybe being loaned out um, we, we loaned Andy Dales today who's a winger we loaned him out to Dundee um, hopefully it'll give us a bit more you know mobility just to get a couple more players in through the door as well and I think that we were talking about this earlier in the earlier in the week about sort of key players for yourself and things like that and the big one for me that stuck out just looking at the team the the name I, I picked out first was Josh Morris and I think he's someone that maybe as I, I say this quite often and I, we're getting more used to the league but because we drop so fast sometimes you know you don't realize what players kind of are in league one but Josh Morris was one that I think a few people knew and I think within our like WhatsApp groups of like, you know, the someone supporting friends that we have, a few people did mention sort of Josh Morris as a player that would be, um, we wouldn't mind having at Sunderland because his goal scoring record's fantastic uh, for essentially an attacking midfielder. But he's injured, isn't he? He's been injured for quite a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, he missed, he had a poor pre-season, actually. He missed quite a lot of pre-season. Um, I, I'm not sure, I can't quite remember the injury. But then he came back, um, got back into the side, and then I think he did, he uh, broke his jaw. So he was out for quite a while um, with a broken jaw, and then he's just come back and he's broken a bone uh, in his leg. So I think it's not not too serious, but it's going to keep him out, you know, till probably March time. Um, so it is kind of, it is a loss for us. Um, he's kind of struggled to replicate the form that saw him score all those goals. Probably the season you are aware of him, um, where I think he scored nearly twenty goals and loads of yeah. assists as well. He, he was he was basically unstoppable that season. Um, he's he's kind of failed to reach those heights since, but um, he's still you know good for an assist or um, good for a goal or he's quite good at set pieces as well. So it is a shame um, you know he's out for so long. Um, but I do think in the summer he might be moving on because I know there's been a contract on the table for a while that he's not signed. So um, it might be that we just look to you know, prepare for next season really and, and try and get us in who will ultimately be his replacement. And when we were talking about key players and things like that, I, mean, I mentioned a few players that based off statistics and based off what I'd seen of your team this season that are kind of... Uh, recognised as your key players but you mentioned someone that I hadn't actually mentioned and you said he'd been far and wide your best player and he's probably got the best name I've heard in, in League One this season Fonso Ojo am I pronouncing that right? And his, his middle name is actually King so it's Fonso King Ojo Oh that's <laughs> tremendous I mean whoever whoever <laughs> gave him that name deserves a massive pat on the back because it, it just sounds brilliant but it's it's good for you guys that he's playing quite well as well isn't he? Now, what, what kind of play is he for people who are listening and may not have heard the name? Yeah, I mean, we signed him last season, actually, from Holland. Um, he's actually Belgian, but we got him from... I, I can't quite was remember, it Villain, he was on Villain the book. It, it could have been, yeah. He was on the books at Twente as well in his youth, I think. Um, or it might have been PSV, I can't remember. But it was one of the top teams in, in Holland anyway. So um, it came with a good pedigree, but it was kind of a, a really left-field signing. We was all, he just turned up in Austria at the pre-season tour and um, he's been fantastic for us. Um, really comfortable on the ball. He's got a, obviously a great shot on him. He's, he's, um, he doesn't score as many goals as he should, actually. He scored a great one at the weekend. Um, not sure if you've seen that. but um, I did, actually. I did, I did manage to see. He was kind of on the, the half volley and, and I think by the time this comes out, I've, I've posted... Your three key players. There is a there is a video of it on the site, on, or should be by this point in Walker Report, where you can see him. Um, I think it was like a, on the volley, just from the the edge of the box, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a corner that came in, and uh, he just struck it really cleanly, and it flew in. And I think he needs to add that to his game a little bit more. Um, our ex manager Graham Alexander, for some reason, told him not to shoot, um, which was bizarre, really, because he's got a great shot on him. We've seen it plenty of times but he came out in the press and said basically admitted that he told him not to shoot as much and, and try and pass the ball a bit more so we were all a bit uh, bemused by that but um yeah he's he's great on the ball um can pick a pass and for me he's one of the best midfield players we've had for for many years actually um and I think we'll struggle to keep him much longer I think hopefully we'll keep him in January um but I think the club were expecting a bit of interest and um it's easy to see why really and then I think the big thing for me, and, and there's a lot of teams that seem to have it, but there's a name that I also picked up straight away from uh, sort of your, your squad. He's a jury, I know that much, so he'll be wanting to score even more, but Lee <laughs> Lee Novak, and he's been scoring goals since 
since I was actually a little bit skinnier and a little bit better looking. <laughs> <laughs> he he still got it, hasn't he? He's still only like 30, still banging the goals in. Yeah, um, I really like him actually. And for me, Ojo and Novak would be the two names on the team sheet, uh, first names on the team sheet. Um, he struggled with fitness actually since he arrived. He arrived from Charlton um, a couple of Januarys ago, I think now. And he struggled to put a run of games together and it's been a bit stop start for him. But this season he's he's worked on his fitness, I think, in the summer. I think that's that's evident. Um and yeah, he's he's obviously um reaping the rewards for that really because he's he's banging the goals in. I think he's got ten. And we've got to remember as well, it's in a real well, it previous to kind of the last few weeks, it's been in a really poor side. Um so yeah, I'm sure he'll be really up for the weekend as well, as you say, being a Geordie and uh, <laughs> hopefully um his goal scoring form can continue. Looking at uh, Sunderland's side, we mentioned a little bit before, obviously, about the game that we had at the stadium. And, and I think, if if I remember rightly, that day Chris Maguire was an absolute fire. Now, as you, you might have picked up in the intro, he was sent off on Saturday, but he's back. Um, he is, well, I'm, I'm assuming he's back. His red card's been rescinded. Um, who impressed you from a Sunderland perspective? If, and did you go to the game? Did you go to the stadium light? Or did I did. You, yeah. yeah, yeah, I did, actually. Um I know he divides opinion um, with your fans, really, but I thought Lee Catamol had a good game that day. He seemed to control the midfield, and I think that's what we were missing, actually, in the middle of the park, because mm-hmm. I th- I'm not sure if Ojo played. So we were missing that experience in there. Um, we let a couple of experienced players go uh, in the summer that, that would have been perfect for that game. They would have loved that game, you know, playing um, against Catamol, uh, Neil Bishop, one that springs to mind, who would let go to Mansfield, you know, um, good uh, old-fashioned uh, hard man in midfield really so I think he actually yeah, had a good game ran the show um, and as you say Maguire I think he was really lively um, and I think was it Max Power I think he he looked lively on the day as well he, he played did. really well yeah he scored the first one I think with the, with his header that, that was before we started getting red cards and, and whatnot he looked he looked really good there yeah. you know it's a, it's a good point that actually but you mentioned about Catamull he does divide opinion he's been here that long I, I think sometimes players like that can have Huge dips in form and, and huge sort of growths in form, but he's he's been all right this season. He's he's actually back from suspension for Saturday. I'm, I'm hoping he's going to get back in the side. So, would you expect that'll be even if he does have a good game, Lee Catmull, and he does come back rusty? If I'm honest with you, quite often. Mm-hmm. Do you think he would be in for more of a game then if if Ojo's fit? And is there anyone else that you think would quite fancy a battle with Cats? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've got a youth prospect coming through. Well, he, to be honest, he's, he's been in the first team set up for a while, um, Levi Sutton. And we're trying to find his best position, really, because he's been in and out, playing right back and central midfield. But um, he seems to have kind of made that central midfield position his own, really, in the past few weeks, uh, alongside Ojo and uh, James Perch, who was obviously at Newcastle as well. Oh, so, James um, Perch. James Perch, is- yeah. Yeah, that's so a, um, a throwback, but also kind of a recent throwback at the same time. I felt like he was at Newcastle only two seasons ago. He, he he joined last season for you though, didn't he? Is that right? It was in the summer actually. Oh, the summer. Um, okay. I mean, I mean, to be honest, he's not really impressed me too much. But in the last couple of weeks, you know, as the team are getting their act together, he's actually putting the foot in now. He seems a different player. So credit to him because, to be honest, I would be trying to. You know, a month ago, if you'd asked me a month ago, I'd have been trying to get rid of him in January. He was that yeah. bad, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think 
it's always difficult with these players who've played in the Premiership and then obviously dropped down the leagues pretty quickly, um, whether they're just after the last paycheck or, or whatever. But, um, you know, if he continues playing how he has been recently, he's kind of forming a good partnership with Ojo and, and Sutton as well as a trio. And Although we kind of play a diamond at times, which doesn't quite suit the three of them. Um, you know, we've not sometimes we lack a bit of width and a bit of pace out wide. Um, but those three in the middle should give, you know, if Catamol does play, give him a bit of a battle, really, which is what we need in there. Looking at your form, you mentioned before there's been four games you've won in a row. Now, the worrying thing is, actually, I've just looked at the four teams you've beat. They're all teams that we actually haven't beaten this season. Walsall in three <laughs> attempts, um, Peterborough. Um, they're, they're all teams that, that we actually haven't beaten this season. So I guess you come up against ourselves and I don't know what formation we'll, we'll play because it really does depend on if Josh Madge is fit and if Josh Madger is fit um, and if he's still at the club we're recording this on the Tuesday so you never know with the January transfer window I, I don't know whether you'll play Charlie White up front with him or if he'll go back to the four sort of three three four five one but what sort of formation do you play and which teams do you seem to be the most effective against because I know that we actually don't play too great against teams like like Wimbledon, for example, just big bastards all over the pitch and that we struggled with that. Which side are you better against facing? Is it the more kind of long ball teams or the or the, the possession based teams? And where do you see Sunland's weaknesses and where do you think you can cause us problems? Well, it's interesting because obviously prior to the past month, we've struggled against all teams, whether you know they're good on the floor and move the ball quickly or just lump it forward. Um but as I say, I mean, in the last couple of weeks, McCall's kind of adapted his formations depending on who we're playing. Um, so it will be interesting to see how he sets up against you. Oh, against Peterborough, obviously, you were doing relatively well in the league. Um, they've got, obviously, a lot of goal threat in that side. Um, he went with three centre-backs with, with two wing-backs and um, kind of nullified them, really. It was a fantastic performance. Whereas, obviously... Peterborough as well, they're one of the better teams, or you would say one of the more football insides in the league. Um, whereas you look at teams such as, you know, Wickham, um, Walsall, to be honest, they were, they were quite poor. And um, although they weren't be- the best games to watch, um, we, we dealt with them quite comfortably. So it's interesting because, as I say, we've played really poorly against all manner of teams, all different styles. Um I think he will go three at the back. I think he'll go um, McArdle, Burgess and Webster and bring Byron Webster, who's just arrived from Millwall in, um, with Tony McMahon, uh, who was obviously at Middlesbrough many years ago, uh, full-back, right, wing-back, sorry, uh, and then Cameron Barfoot-Jackson, who's um, on loan from Manchester United at the moment, uh, left full-back. Both of your full-backs have been players we've been linked to, actually, both with Jackson in the summer and McMahon, I don't know where that one really came from um, a few weeks ago before he, before he actually signed for you. I was quite yeah. intrigued by both with Jackson because I, I actually remember seeing him play against Sunderland. We beat Man United 2-1. And it was funnily enough, it was him at left back and it was Donald Love at right back who um, <laughs> is quite he's shite, for want of a better word. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a big fan at all. Could call it what it is. Um, but with both with Jackson, when we got linked to him in, in the summer, I thought... Well, obviously, he's, I think Le- it was at Leeds and our Wolves fans went massively complimentary of him. But I thought in League One, mm. he'll probably do quite well. But I haven't, I haven't really heard his name much in League One. But that can be a good thing. Is he doing all right? 
He's doing all right, yeah. I mean, um, sometimes I think the main issue with him, he's got all the talent you know, in the world. He's, he, on his day, he's absolutely fantastic. The problem is he switches off and he's a little bit you know, complacent at times. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of contributed earlier in the season to a few goals against. But to be honest, I mean, he's made no more mistakes than the rest of the back four. Um, and actually moving forward, going forward, um, he's got, he can deliver a great pass. And he's, But yeah, he just needs to work on his concentration. And, um, you know, even if he's out of the game for a little while, you know, he's, when them lapses in concentration come back to bite him, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, I can't see him making it Premier League level, maybe Championship. I think he's got everything in, the, in his locker, really, to, to be a Championship player. Um, but yeah, just needs to work on that concentration, really. And I can see actually why the Wolves and Leeds fans weren't quite sure on him because I think he did, obviously, um, some of his errors there did contribute to goals against them as well. You went back before and you mentioned about how bad the start of the season was for Scunthorpe. Obviously, that's improved since then. And and when I when I look through your team, there's actually players there that I know a fair amount about, which I, I can't always say for League One, if I'm honest. And there is players that are in that team. So you're sitting 15th at the moment. Where was your expectations at the beginning of the season? Where did they line now? And uh, what do you think would be considered a success considering the start to the season? There's about five questions uh, in that, so you're probably... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the expectations, obviously everyone was hoping for the playoffs, but I think you had to look at the summer business. Um, we had Dwayne Holmes that's gone to Derby, um, fantastic winger. Uh, Murray Wallace, who was one of our, well, the best centre-half we had in probably 10 years, um, left for Millwall. Um, we had Haki Adelikan. So that's four key players that obviously moved to the Championship. We did cash in on them, um, and I think the fans the fans weren't really happy with the replacements. Um, and I think it proved, really, the start of the season just wasn't good enough. Um, now we've got the replacements in, hopefully a couple more coming in as well. I mean, we're expecting we were seven or eight signings in January, and we've made five. So um, with those coming in, I think definitely mid-table. Um, I've actually got a cheeky bet on us to finish in the top half, which was 16 to 1, um, which I thought was very generous, actually. So hopefully that comes in. Um, and then, as I say, hopefully um, push towards the playoffs. I think it might be a little bit out of our reach this season, but we saw it last year with Plymouth. Um, you know, they were bottom of the table for quite a long time. Um, and then they ended up um, just missing out. We actually beat them um, late in the season and took their playoff spot really up. We saw it happen with Barnsley. Um, so there's always that hope that we can go on a run and it crash the playoffs. Um, but I think being realistic, mid-table is probably about right. Now, we've talked about it before as well. Uh, we'll do it ever so slightly. But um, one thing I'm finding quite interesting is Sunderland's random popularity that we have kind of across um, the UK and and even in like America and stuff at the minute and, and Germany apparently last week as well. But because of the Sun Until I Die Netflix documentary. Now, now I asked you beforehand if you'd watched it and you've seen them all apart from uh, the last one you said, which if I'm honest, no spoiler alert, but it's the best one because um, <laughs> it's just after we get relegated and Stuart Donald comes in. But um, And Rocco Report also star in the last one as well, actually. Not me, of course. Okay, got, very good. I've got a face face for uh, for radio. But how did you find that kind of watching Sunland's, so essentially what was a, a horrible demise and a horrible thing to be part of, but as a football fan from 
as it stands currently the low leagues and has been for a little while. Were you quite surprised by how mismanaged we were through watching that? I think so, yeah. It was, um, I thought, from what I've seen so far, I think it's a, a really good series. I'm not sure how well it's been received with Sunderland fans. I'm, I've not really done yeah, much really research well. on that. but we, we quite yeah, liked it. Uh, yeah, I, th- yeah I, th- I thought so. Um, I thought that might be the case. Yeah, it was um, really interesting. It's always good to see, you know, that kind of fly on the wall kind of um, documentary style. And um, yeah, it was just some of the things, you just can't believe some of the things that have gone on really and how far you've fallen. Um, but having said that, you know, I think, um, especially when we came up to your place, we we found everyone really um, friendly and, and welcoming, and a good club. And um, you know, it was obviously nice to to visit a ground that big in League One because we're normally used to. Well, you you've seen this season what we're used to, so um, yeah, yeah, it's obvi- it's obviously nice for us. Um, nice to obviously we're we're getting back on track with the ownership and stuff like that, which is brilliant. Actually, it was really weird. This probably does sound like a subtle brag, but I promise you it's not. Um, but just on on the yeah, on the conversation we're having, if you'd asked me, I went to the game on on a Saturday against Luton, and mm-hmm. our director was in the Colliery Tavern, which is the pub right next to the ground. And and I'd met Connor, who does the the main show as opposed to the extra yeah. bridesmaid, never the never the bride, um, <laughs> and. Charlie sort of came up to Connor because he's he's interviewed him before and he and Connor says, Look, you know, it's uh, this is Graham. And the first thing that that he sort of said was, you know, really enjoyed the the extra podcast, really enjoyed listening. Think you're both doing a really great job. And it wasn't so it was nice to hear that. Don't get me wrong, because it's the director of your football club, but to think of how like that last season, someone like Martin Bain or Ella Short coming up to anyone like Wise Men Say podcast ourselves or anyone and saying, I've actually listened, let alone enjoyed it, shows you sort of the difference in the club. And, and I think when you go back and you do watch stuff like Something Will Die and you realise where it, where we were at, it was so apathetic and so crap. But then you look at um, the Scunthorpe game at home. That was, I think, our second home game of the season. And I bet you, like, your memories of going to see Sunderland against Scunthorpe at the start of the season and the atmosphere around the place and then watching Sunderland Till I Die after that on Netflix, it must have felt like chalk and cheese because I remember, it be, well, it's been quite a nice place to go see football, but especially then we were, we were feeling really positive just after the takeover. Could you feel that positivity from a, an away fan's perspective around the club when you, you visited? Yeah, we were actually in the fan zone, and I think you guys actually were doing something in the fan zone. I think you in- interviewed um, one of our, one of the lads that contributes to our website, Max. Um, so um, yeah, it was a really good atmosphere and vibe in there. And I think the director you mentioned, he was kind of milling around, speaking to fans. He likes a pint. Obviously, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it was it's good to see because obviously, with what's happened in the past. Um, as you say, it's, it was never likely to happen with the previous ownership and previous directors. So I think it's it's all part of, you know, they've got to get the fans back on side and it seems like they are doing that now. Um, and we've had similar actually at, at Scunthorpe. I mean, the old um, chairman or the owner, um, although we did come out and speak to the press, you know, he was quite quiet and quite reserved. And whereas the new owner, he's been here for, you know, five, six years now, he does speak to us every now and again um he's always quite happy to answer questions and we spoke to him you know just before well just after christmas actually um and it's nice just to have that connection with the club to know that they're listening to the podcasts and again peter swan our owner kind of said yeah he enjoys what 
what we're doing and he listens to them all doesn't agree with everything but um <laughs> quite you know quite complimentary about it so that's great i mean it's it's good that um you know the club are taking on board because I'm, I'm sure you've obviously suggested things that you know the the new ownership might have taken on board and we've certainly done that at scunthorpe so it's um it's a really good platform you know to get your views out there and i think if a couple of weeks ago um actually before we kind of turned the corner um the fans were you know getting on at the owner a little bit because we'd been struggling and you know the players that we brought in weren't up to scratch um and various little things around the club that had kind of annoyed the fans um one of them and they were they removed the biscuits from the executive lounge (laughs) Um, um, believe it or not so that that caused quite a stir and uh it was just little things like that that. (laughs) well let's say biscuits first little things like that (laughs) (laughs) it was little things like that that were kind of building up and um we kind of just came on and said you know something needs to happen because the fans are getting on at the club and you know it was a really negative um kind of vibe and we'd not had that obviously two good seasons we'd not really had that um for a while yeah so we kind of just obviously um invited him on and i think ever since that you know we've won four on the bounce and uh, everything's quite positive again and everyone's looking forward to the rest of the season so we're kind of taking credit for that as well so <laughs> and, it, and it, it's good though isn't it i mean it, it's like it's the first time i've really known it in in my lifetime i'm 32 um so i've and it, it's been it's been funny this season because we've had Charlie, we've had Stuart on the podcast with Connor on the main show in the studio. And on my version of the Rogue Report, the, like the Rogue Report Extra, I couldn't think of what I was actually doing there. I've totally lost my marbles. Um, but um, we had Andy Holt from um African Stanley. Uh, he he did a yes. he did the African view, which was which was really weird. But you know, it was it was brilliant to be able to chat to someone that, that was like a fan. But one thing that worries it doesn't worry me. It's something that I've just thought about, I think, and I think many fans are on the same same level. And I'm curious about your your thoughts on it. Um, do you think the kind of fan interaction that, say, Stuart Donald has via Twitter or any chairman like Andy Holt down at Accrington, do you think that sort of thing is sustainable if Sunderland ever got back into the premiership? Or do you think that's very much like a, I don't want to say a lower level, but like a, it's, it's not the premiership. Do you think it's sustainable in the kind of the greed and the size of of that or do you think it's kind of is it just the beauty of being like a league one team that you can have a little bit of community back i think you need that community but um yeah as you say i think if you did get back into the premier league and even actually if if things obviously turned and you got back into the premier league and things weren't going quite as well um i know our owner's son is on twitter and when everything's going well it's fine and he's on twitter quite a lot kind of um speaking to the fans and there's that kind of communication and uh, but when things aren't going so well he kind of does disappear and i understand why because you know if we go on a losing run um, yeah and it's it's just easy isn't it you know to to open twitter and i've been you know guilty of it and i, I just think it, it's obviously okay when it's going well and at the minute sunderland you know they're back on the right track and the owners come out he's done the podcast he's done he's on twitter quite regularly you know communicating with the fans which is all great you know, if, if things did take a turn for the worse and, you know, you got back to the Premier League, for example, and then 
it was a relegation season or whatever, would he still face the fans as regularly? And as you say, is it sustainable? Because, you know, I'm not too sure he would be up for getting that abuse, you know, on a, on a weekly yeah. basis. Um, and you can understand it. You know, I don't think anyone would want that. No, no, not at all. And it's something that I've crossed my mind. We, uh, one of the, the, the lads interviewed Darren Bent, who I wouldn't even say d- divides opinion at um, Sunderland anymore. Yes, he was brilliant for us, but the majority of them really dislike him because of the way that he left. And I sometimes think if like our chairman was around on Twitter at that point and, and that was his decision, like Darren Bent, our top scorer getting sold and all the furore that goes around with that. And, and someone mentioned like back in, I think it was back in 1999 when we got promoted to the premiership and Lee Clark wore a Newcastle shirt or an anti-Sunderland shirt at Wembley when he was playing for the club and Alan Johnson rejected a contract and, and Michael Bridges rejected a contract. And I mean, that sort of situation is like a regular thing. And I suppose we've had a we've had a little bit of insight into that with uh, Josh Madger, not, should we say, mm-hmm. not signing the contract yet. And it, it can get a little bit monotonous and like fired at him all the time. So I suppose as brilliant as it is, it does make me wonder how long it can last if we want to be successful and get out of this league. Because... I think everyone's secretly like really loving League One. Like I think we all pretended we were going to hate it, but someone asked me the other day, like, "You must hate League One." And I was like, "Absolutely love it. It's brilliant. I get to find <laughs> out about like new grounds, new players, and stuff like that." And um, I'm disappointed that I'm not going on Saturday. If I'm honest with you, I've been to more away games than I have been in ages this year, and Scunthorpe was one I had kind of pinpointed to go to. But um, if I'm honest with you, the money's just run a bit dry um, with it being yeah. uh, January, but. Yeah. How how many does your ground hold? How you? What's the atmosphere um, of the ground? And uh, where can our fans go after the game as well? Yeah, so it holds just over nine thousand. Um, when it's full, it's obviously quite a tight pitch, um, and the kind of the stands are right on top of the pitch. So you know, when it is full, it is it can be a decent atmosphere. Those are sadly few and far between. Um, we've not had a. a brilliant atmosphere for a couple of years um but having said that you know i think it's going to be a decent crowd i, th- I know you've sold out and i think obviously with it being yourselves that are coming it might put an extra you know maybe another extra thousand on the gate um i think advanced sales are going fairly well as well so hopefully you know it'll be a decent um turnout from the scunny fans as well because i think our players deserve it actually after the last few weeks they deserve a bit of support and um yeah hopefully it's it's a good day for everyone really and a good atmosphere in terms of after the game, well, um, straight back on the motorway, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. At least you're honest about it. <laughs> so, sort of leading up to the to the game on Saturday, I mean, I don't know whether you remember, it was. It, I would have been one, I think, uh, last time we actually played you. It was uh, in the, the FA Cup. Um, I almost said the Football Association Cup there, but I, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was... It was actually, funnily enough, it was the last time we entered the FA Cup at round one stage and we got around two and got knocked out by yourselves. We got beat 2-1. The manager for Sunderland that day was, of course, Dennis Smith. And funnily enough, the manager for Scunthorpe that day was an ex-Sunderland manager as well, which is Mick Buxton. Eric Gates scored on the 22nd minute and Kevin Taylor and David Hart won it for you second half. So do you see Saturday going similar to 30 plus years ago or (laughs) am I I going too far back? Yeah, I mean, I think hopefully um, now we've got a bit of confidence, we can give you a bit more of a game um, than we did up at your place. I think we will actually. Um, I think we'll come out confident and um, I'm expecting actually, I'm expecting a draw. I think it's going to be a two-all draw. Um, I think obviously you've got some really good players. Um, I think our confidence is high. And I think actually, yeah, I think if we can 
put on a decent performance and play like we did at Peterborough. Um, for example, I think the performance we put in at Peterborough should give us enough, hopefully, to get a decent result. You know, four, four wins on the bounce at home. I think I've got to admit I'd be confident myself. However, I am. I am actually a little bit underconfident now. Um, <laughs> now that you've said that, because <laughs> um, I'm thinking you know, four wins on the bounce. We haven't had four wins on the bounce in quite a while. But I, I think, unfortunately, I'm going to take a draw as well. I think uh, I think 1-1. I have a feeling that you might take an early lead first half and I, and I think second half we might get one back we've scored in every game this season so I definitely think we'll score it's just we haven't scored more than one goal in the past five or six games and it really is dependent on if Josh Madge is fit because Charlie White's not really doing the business in terms of goal scoring but I suppose we'll, we'll wait and see um, hopefully three points for us but um Finally, just to sort of touch on, you mentioned Lee Catamore previously, who we expect to be back, but is there anyone or who's the player you worry most about for um, from Sunderland's perspective and who would you say Sunderland need to watch out for mostly on Saturday? As you say, if Madger's playing, he's obviously a real talent. Um, I think, I'm not sure, I think he scored against us at your place, if I remember yeah. rightly. Maybe Got not. The, yeah, I think he did. One. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think he's obviously one to watch. Um, we'll look to maybe put that three at the back, like I mentioned earlier, just to kind of give us a bit more back there. Because um, in previous weeks we have struggled. You know, going back a month or so, we have struggled um, with a bit of pace, and and hopefully that will um, kind of keep him quiet. Um, Catamol, you know, if he plays, he's a good player. He passes the ball well, and um, that's going to be quite a battle in there. I think if if he plays. And in terms of our players, um, I would actually, obviously, Ojo, we mentioned earlier, I think you'd be quite impressed with him. And then um, Novak, obviously, he'll be up for scoring against you. And I'm not too sure, really. I think we've actually got one player we've not mentioned um, who might actually get a bit of a bit of game time is Kevin Van, Van Veen. Uh, Kevin Van Veen, sorry. That, um, we did sign from Holland um, probably four or five years ago now. Um, it didn't quite work out in his first kind of year. Uh, mm-hmm. We loaned him back out. Um, so he went back out to play for another team in uh, Holland in the Dutch Premier League. He came back and he was on fire, you know, scoring goals, uh, unbelievable goals as well. Um, and then for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. We ended up selling him to Northampton uh, last season. He's back. We've bought him back from Northampton for less than we paid for him. Um so he'll be obviously keen. He's not actually started yet and he's not actually got on the pitch um, since his return in the, in the last couple of games. So I'm sure if he gets a chance, he'll be hungry to you know show what he can do. Um, and he always steps up his game against the big clubs as well. So um, Ken Bombay, um, Lee Novak and Funso Ojo. Perfect. Well, Matt, thanks very much for coming on. I hope you have a really bad Saturday, at least between the hours of <laughs> three and five. Um, I always leave leave you with that because I, I like to be honest. Um, but thanks so much for coming on, mate. I hope you have a really good rest of the season. I hope it continues to keep on going well, as long as it's not against us. And uh, thanks for coming on as always, mate. Thanks. Uh, that's great. Thanks for having me on. That's great. Thank you. Anytime, mate. Cheers, Matt. See you, mate. Cheers. So that was Scunthorpe Away Extra Podcast. Bit of a shy title, isn't it? Yeah, I mentioned before I'm getting a bit worried. I am. Um, don't know why. We've only lost two games the entire season. We've never we've not hit top form yet though. It's the thing that get gets me and the matcha thing worries me a little bit. But you know what? I've I've got confidence that um Jack Ross has his targets. I have confidence that 
the likes of Dunn are going to come into the side and show the defence up a little bit, even if that means just changing formation a little bit, because I know that earlier in the season we went with sort of Flanagan on the right-hand side of a three and allowed sort of Lyndon Gooch a, a wing-back rule. And I'd quite like to see us go back to that, if I'm honest with you. But I think a lot of our success is dependent on Josh Madger being fit. Uh, I really think we struggle with with White up top, and I don't know if that's entirely his fault because I, I just think we take an eternity to get the ball in the box, and that's just the kind of players we have. That's your McGeeys, your Maguires, and your Gooches. They all are not the they're not a Nicky Summerby winger, which is basically what I think Charlie White needs someone who just gets the gets the fucking ball in, you know. So, but whereas I think if Madge is fit, I think he, he works into that team perfectly with McGeady, um, Gooch and, and Maguire behind him. Um, I quite like them both up top against Blackpool. Uh, that's probably the best game I've seen Charlie White play and I, I certainly felt Madger looked a lot stronger that day. Uh, obviously got his goal as well. But yeah, I, I do worry. I, I would rather keep Madger than sign someone like Will Grigg. Um, but it would be nice to have them both, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I know we're chasing Will Gregg. I think it's pretty evident, pretty obvious that that's been the case for a little while. And you hear bits and pieces here and there that there's there's other strikers in the pipeline, if if not uh, Will Gregg. But I, I think I'd like to see us bring in a, a big central midfielder as well, because I think as much as I like Max Power and I'm beginning to much prefer Dylan McGeoch, and, and I think Katz is more than able to do a job, I do feel we missed like a big presence in midfield alongside, of course, missing George Honeyman. So there's things to change and there's things to improve on, definitely. Um, and we're still in a pretty decent position, uh, more than decent position. If we win our game in hand, obviously we go into second. Um, and we, I think we're two points clear of Luton if we do that. But I feel a lot more confident when the points are on the board. Um, Saturday, I think, is a, a much tougher game than we expect. Um, they are winnable games coming up. Most definitely, but I think Saturday's game, you can't go in against a team that have just won four games on the bounce against sides the quality that they have, like Walsall, Peterborough and, and whatnot and what have you, and not be expecting a tough game. They've got good players, um, they've got a good midfield and they've got a, a goal-scoring striker that will want to score against us, being a, a Jordy. So I think it's going to be really tough on Saturday. I think it's going to be a really tough game and I think we need to be very, very aware of how tough that can be. Hopefully, though, I'm worrying about nothing and we're sitting here next time we speak with another three points on the board and hopefully we're sitting in the automatic promotion spot. But you never know. This season was never going to be easy. And so far, I think the lads have done really well to give themselves a chance. And I fully agree with the sentiments of Jack Ross that sometimes they don't get the credit they deserve because it is such a big turnaround. But... Anyway, that's me rambling. Thanks for checking in again, as always, with the Rogue Report Extra podcast. I'm off to do um, a write-up on on the Stephen Pienaar interview um, and try and arrange a few more podcasts for you with former players. Thanks for checking in. I've been Graham. This has been the Rogue Report Extra podcast. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. 
That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.